Good morning, everybody. It's like, is this like November, August? It feels a little like dark and gloomy, uh, but we're very grateful that you've joined us today despite some of the weather challenges, and uh, it's great to be with you all. Um, I just wanted to thank everyone uh, for just the celebration we had last Sunday. If you were able to come for our five-year uh, celebration, I think it was a, a, just a wonderful time together, reflecting on all that God's done uh, in our church, through our church. Uh, it was just a wonderful encouragement uh, to me and my family. Uh, thank you also for those who contributed. We got a special Mocha Master coffee pot, which is this amazing change your life machinery. Um, and so we, we just thank you for the people that have just chipped in uh, for that. And so uh, this is a, a great time in uh, church life here at Ridgeview. And as we reflected on five years, we really did highlight uh, this idea of the joy and the journey that we have. And uh, we ended last uh, Sunday night as we celebrated our five years talking about joining in in the journey. And uh, this is actually what this whole series is about, which we're covering on Sunday mornings. We're going through the book of First Peter. And uh, we encouraged you last week as we kicked it off to buy your uh, scripture journal, the Illuminated Scripture Journal, where you could take notes. And hopefully you brought that today if you have it. Uh, it's a great way for you to dig into God's word yourself, uh, to ask God to speak to you, and uh, he will. And there may be some things you don't understand. Bring your questions, and hopefully you'll get answers. And if you don't, uh, talk to somebody you know, at the next step table, like, like Cameron mentioned. Uh, but this is a journey of the Christian life and the joy that we can experience, not uh, away from hard things, but in the middle of hard things and difficult things, but how the joy is actually found, not because of our circumstances, but because of really the life that God calls us to, the identity uh, that he's given us. And so what I want to do is dig in again. Uh, we're going to start in First, uh, first Peter chapter 1. Uh, we did two verses uh, last week. We're going to dig into uh, a little bit more uh, today. But uh, I want to start kind of with, with the idea of our, our mission as a church because this is the journey that we're on together. And our mission here at Ridgeview is inviting people to experience refreshing life in Christ. Uh, any person, organization, company, uh, w- without a mission, uh, you, you get lost. Uh, we don't think of a mission a lot. Uh, it's not something that we wake up and think like, what's my mission this morning? Oftentimes it's like, God, just help me to get through the day. Uh, but a mission really is like a compass. If you've ever gotten lost, if you've ever been on a trip and your directions aren't working, a couple weeks ago we landed uh, in DFW for a trip, and we were trying to get out of the airport, and Google Maps just kept circling us and circling us, and we couldn't escape. And there's this, a lot of how life can feel sometimes without the direction that we know we're supposed to be heading in. We just feel like we can go in circles. And we maybe even have a map, but maybe it's not clearly getting us to where we need to go. And so God's word, and more importantly, God himself, really does guide us. He, he leads us forward. And as a church, uh, this is true as well. And we want our compass, our, our North Star, the, the, what we guide to, to be always this. is like, how do we experience the refreshing life in Christ, doing it his way, on his terms, and then how do we invite people uh, towards that? And so each week of this series is focusing on this idea of refreshing and the refreshment that comes. And so today is talking about the refreshing hope that we can have in a relationship with Christ. And I want to define refreshment again. We looked at this last week, but this is just a review. It's helpful. Refreshment is act of refreshing or new strength or vigor received after fatigue, relief after suffering applied to the body, new life or animation after depression, 
applying to the mind or spirits, that which gives fresh strength or vigor as food or rest. Uh, my prayer for us as we enter another year, as it kind of kicked off, the school year started, and now we're back to kind of a new semester of church life, uh, my prayer is that we will experience this, this new, fresh strength and vigor. And it does come from the new life that we have, if you're a follower of Christ, the new life that you have in Christ. It's something that you experience when you decide to follow him, when you become a Christian, but it's something that actually gets renewed day by day. And the Christian life is a daily choice that I'm going to choose to do things his way, not perfectly, confess when I mess up, clean up the messes that I make. But ultimately, I'm, I'm on this, this journey of, of really learning how to please him, what his word says. And so that's what we're going to be doing uh, in uh, this series. And so I want to read the scripture. I'm going to read kind of a, a chunk, um, about 11 verses, and then I'm going to break them down. And so if you've got your scripture journal, you want to open it up kind of to that first uh, page there. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 13, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the, erection of, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So that's through verse five. It goes on in verse six. Peter says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through it, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then verse eight, it says this, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, You believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, before I read on, Peter, again, we have to remember, eyewitness of Christ. He has seen him with his very eyes. He was a part of Jesus' ministry. He saw the miracles. He saw the challenges. He himself was rebuked. He himself denied him. He himself was restored by Christ. And so, He's speaking to us to give us hope. Though you've not had the same experiences, though you've not been able to see him like I have, through the salvation that comes from Christ, you can know him like I know him. And that's what he's speaking of right now. And he goes on in verse 10. And it says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Then verse 12 says, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. And then finally, verse 13 says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I've just read 11 verses. If you're like me, sometimes you read maybe a couple of those verses, maybe you put them together, and there's a lot there. And if I were to ask you what's confusing to you, there there might be quite a bit. There's different things that are mentioned. There's things that kind of aren't stuff we talk about like in our day-to-day life. And so what I wanna do is kind of break uh, the scripture down. But part of what we do as we journey through the Bible together is also to, to learn how do we read God's word and to gain things out of it. 
And if you're like me, I really faked my way through a lot of schooling. Like I learned how to read uh, so I could like check the box of reading, but not necessarily for comprehension. Meaning I could take a test after I've crammed for it, and the next day you could ask me something and I wouldn't remember anything about it. You guys know what I'm talking about? Now, if you teachers are here, you're like, yeah, you. But it's easy for us to do because we see sometimes like, like reading and, and content as something we just have to get through as fast as possible. But God's word is something that's not supposed to be like intellectual just pursuit on its own. Now, it stands up to the most rigorous intellectual tests. It's validated. It's tested. There's eyewitness accounts. There's manuscripts that just are generated through the centuries that, that reveal God's word. It's inspired by him. But at the same time, as you take the time, it speaks to you personally. So one of the things you want to do as you look through this passage, like I've just read, is you want to highlight in any passage that you read, words that stand out, words that are repeated. And so for me, I just want to highlight a few of the things that we can hope for. So if we're talking about the refreshing hope that's found in Christ, and it talked about that right in the beginning, this this living hope. Well, the first is in verse three, it talks about God's mercy. So what do we hope in? Well, there's the mercy of God. That that really is, is like forgiveness. Though we've sinned, though we've messed up, though you've done things and I've done things that we regret, there's a mercy that God offers us. This should get our attention. There's something there. This, this mercy that Peter describes, it's not based on our own effort. That's hopeful. Then he describes uh, the basis for that mercy. And so you want to connect, what's this mercy based to? And then it, he goes on, it's based on Christ's resurrection, another thing that we have hope in. Talked about this living hope, and then he talked about the resurrection of Christ. And so there's a connection there. The living hope is connected to the living Christ. Christ was crucified, but he did not stay dead. He conquered sin, and because he conquered sin, he was made alive, and he came back, and he appeared, and then he ascended back into heaven. So this living hope is not based on our own works. It's based on the fact that Christ himself was raised from the dead, and because he's alive, we can be alive, and that's what Peter talks about. Another is born again, the living hope, a secure inheritance. He talks about that in four and five, and so you want to see what's the theme now, I've given you, we're talking about hope, but as you read it, hopefully you can see uh, just the, these themes and words that stand out. And so as you read God's word, and as you have a physical copy of his word, if you need a Bible, we have them at the next step table, begin to, to underline, begin to, to highlight, see themes, piece them together. And as you do that, uh, God can, can speak to you, and you can see these things that are connected, that actually give you a lot of hope in the middle of darkness that you may face in your own mind that may go against the current of all that you hear, the messages and media, all the things that we find in the news. God's word is is a way to counter, again, what's thrown at us, what we think about, whether it's within us or externally. And so we have this secure eternal inheritance. And then verse nine, the lasting thing of this hope is, is salvation. And then Peter says this phrase, it says, obtaining You could put that on the screen. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so we have this mercy. We have a living hope because of Christ. We have a Christ that's resurrected from the dead. He conquered the grave. He conquered sin. We have actually this help in in hard times. We have a secure inheritance. And then ultimately, we have this salvation. 
And so what Peter is saying, as he goes through verse one and two, this greeting and grace and mercy be multiplied to you, what we talked about last week, he then gives the foundation for which we can have the basis of this grace and this mercy, mercy that's multiplied. And it's rooted in this phrase, the salvation that we have. Now, salvation is this idea of, of you are saved, you're rescued, you're redeemed from your own sin. What I want to do is, is just show a, a brief video that kind of summarizes the good news of salvation. We hear that word a lot, but let's watch this brief clip about what salvation really is. Let's watch it together. So we live in this world, and it's characterized by brokenness. We don't have to look very hard to see there are things like disease, disasters, wars. There's a lot of pain in this world, but this is not God's original design. God has a perfect design. And the way that we have gotten ourselves into brokenness is through something that the Bible calls sin. Sin is turning away from God's design and pursuing our own way. And that leads us to brokenness. Brokenness eventually leads us to death. And this death will separate us from God forever. But God doesn't want us to stay in brokenness. So he's made a way out. And that way is Jesus. Jesus comes and he enters into our brokenness. And the death that we deserve for pursuing brokenness, Jesus takes our place and dies on a cross. And his body is broken for us. And three days after he dies, he rose from the dead and he made a way out of brokenness. And people try many things to get out of brokenness. Things like religion, things like success or relationships, education or drugs and alcohol. But none of these things can get us out of brokenness. The only way out is Jesus. And if we turn from our sin and believe that Jesus died for us and rose from the dead, we can leave brokenness and grow in a relationship with God and pursue his design. And more than that, we can go. We can be sent just like Jesus back into brokenness to help others come through him to pursue God's design. Now, there's two types of people in the world. There are people that are pursuing God's design, and there's people that are still in brokenness. We have to ask ourselves, where are we? So where do you think you are? Very interesting question. Where do you think you are? And that video does, a, I think, a good job of summarizing what Peter is presenting, this reminder to all of us. If you're in Christ, you've escaped the brokenness, and you can experience life again because Jesus himself took brokenness on. He took the brokenness of sin, he took sin on himself, and he died. And he paid the penalty for our sin, and he rose again. But I like this, this picture of the choice that we have. You, you remain in brokenness, or you live in the new life of Christ. And it talks about there's two different types of people. And I think that's a good question, is, is where, where are you? Where, where am I? Where, where are we? And there's a reminder of what Peter is saying is like, you always have to each day be reminded if you're a Christ follower that you're no longer in brokenness. There is difficulty, there is pain, but you now have the hope of Christ and you live a different type of life. But then there's another type of person that may not know how to get out of their own brokenness. And that might be you this morning. You face terrible things in your life. You face uh, maybe always feeling like you can't get ahead and the resetting, and maybe you have to take a step back and say, you know what, this hope that Peter's describing of this new life in Christ, I've never actually taken myself. I've never decided to trust Christ with my life. 
And I want to hope, but I tend to hope in my own plans or I tend to hope in myself. And what happens when you do that is, is you actually remain in brokenness. So what Peter is saying is that today, as this grace and peace is multiplied to you, you have an opportunity to experience the living hope for the first time. And last week I talked about uh, a prayer and that you can just pray back to God. And I wanted to be more specific this week as we're talking about the hope that you can have in Christ. And this is specific. If you've never decided to follow Jesus and being a Christian is not something that you're born into, your family can be Christian, your parents can be Christian, your brothers and sisters can be Christian, but it's actually a decision that every person has to make. You're not born into Christianity. You're born into sin. You're born into brokenness. Because of that, you have to actually choose to follow Jesus. You have to change the plan of brokenness. You have to escape it only through the mercy of God found in Christ. And so if that's you, and you're at this point where where you don't want to remain in brokenness anymore, and Peter's invitation to experience this new mercy and this living hope, uh, this can be yours. And uh, there's nothing special in the prayer that you pray to God but it is a prayer of, of surrender. And I, I just want to put this on the screen. And this could be something uh, that, that you could pray back to God. This is a prayer of, of surrender. And it says this, Lord, I admit I am a sinner. Now, hopefully you're in a place where all of us can admit that. Is that safe to say? Well, that's the starting point. We've missed the mark. We failed. We've made a mistake from a lie when we were a child to things that we think in our own head as adults, but we, we all sin. And so admitting it is the first step to surrender because you have to admit you have a problem. If you don't admit you have a problem, then you actually don't need to be rescued. If you don't admit you're broken, then you don't need Christ to heal you. So this is very important. And it says, I need and want your forgiveness. Again, why do we need forgiveness? Because of sin and the penalty of sin, which is death. Then the next part, I accept your death as the penalty for my sin, and recognize that your mercy and grace is a gift you offer to me because of your great love, not based on anything I have done. Another way to put this is if you were to die and you were to appear at the gates of heaven and God came to you and said, why should I let you in? What would your answer be? According to Christianity, the only answer that you could give is I can only enter in because of Jesus Christ. He died for me. He's forgiven me. Because he rose from the dead, I have new life in him, period. It's not anything you've done, not anything you've earned, not anything you've believed. You can only believe that Christ is the one that made it possible for you to enter heaven. That is the gospel of Jesus, the good news, not based on anything I've done. Then the prayer continues, cleanse me, And make me your child. By faith, I receive you into my heart as the Son of God and a Savior and Lord of my life. From now on, help me live for you, with you, in control, in your Son's name. Amen. So you make this decision at one point. And just like married, when you you know, when you get married and you say yes to your spouse, and you give your your vows. Every day, you have to renew your vows of the yeses to your spouse. Like, yes, I'm going to love you in sickness and in health. I'm going to lay my life down for you. I'm going to serve you, and you're going to serve me, and we are going to have this this love sacrifice for each other. And it's the same with the Christian life. You make a decision to follow him, but each day, you have to pray this. From now on, help me live for you with you in control. 
And why do we need to pray this every day? Because if you're like me, you can give God control, and then five minutes later, you kind of take it back, right? You want things on your own terms, according to your own goals, in your own way. So the Christian life isn't, there's not this, this battle anymore. No, the flesh is still there. You're, you're still going to struggle. But every day, as you choose to get into God's word, as you pray to him, you're really praying this surrender back. You have his power. You can change. But as those things of control come back, where you just want things on your own terms, you have to continue, God, it's, it's not my will, but it's your will. God, I messed up. I said that, and I shouldn't have said that. Will you forgive me? God, I don't want to ask you about this. I don't want to see what you think about this. I want to do things on my own way. God, will you forgive me for my hardness of heart? Will you forgive me for my stubbornness? Every day, I have to choose to surrender to the Lord Jesus. And every day, my heart is working against it. And no amount of coffee will help that. I need Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit to change me from the inside out. And so if you've never prayed this and you're at this point where you're ready to commit your life to Christ, I want to encourage you, this is the most important decision. And we're going to keep coming back to this in, the, in 1 Peter because 1 Peter and Peter himself is just, you can't miss this. You can't change without deciding to surrender to Christ. It's like touching up the paint of your car, but it has no engine You need to put actually the power in. And the power comes from deciding to follow Christ, surrendering to him. So if this is you, you can pray this to God in your own words, and and he will will hear you. Now, I want to go to to a section here that's helpful, I think, to remind ourselves. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while. And 1 Peter 1, 12 through 13, says this. it, It was revealed to them that they were serving, not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Now, uh, Peter, in verses 10 and 11, was talking about these prophets that have come before, and he's actually speaking of the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophets longed for the coming of the Messiah, but they didn't see him because he didn't come in their day. They longed for this sacrificial system, like we talked about last week, of the animals to end and for the ultimate sacrifice to come in the Messiah, but they didn't see him. They longed, they prophesied that he would come, but they didn't come in their day. So what Peter is saying is like we, us today, have a privilege that the people in the Old Testament, the people of God, the Israelites, they don't have the same even hope that we have now because we can look back and see that Christ has come. And so we should live as people who've received the promise. Very important. Sometimes we can live as people who are waiting for something to still happen. Now, we wait for the return of Christ, but the coming of Christ initially and the Messiah coming and the payment for sin, that's happened. We're living as restored and forgiven people for all who've decided to follow. And so... He talks about this, preach the good news. There's good news, not of the Messiah that's coming, but the Messiah who's already come and who will return. And then Peter says, preparing your minds for action. Now, back to our mission, we want to invite people to the refreshing life found in Christ. What is Peter describing? Well, 
there's a hope that we can have that's alive because Christ is alive. The forgiveness of our sin, the mercy that we can receive. There's a fact that we can know him personally. And so what Peter is talking about in this section is preparing your minds for action, knowing that you have the good news, you look back that the promise has been fulfilled, that Christ has come. How do you live differently? How do you live as people who have surrendered to the Lord Jesus and have been forgiven, who've received that hope, who have that mercy, who can know him personally? So what I want to do is I want to shift gears and talk about the invitation that we have, the invitation that we can extend to others. If you're a Christ follower, you have the hope of Jesus. And Peter's whole section, in verses 3 through 13, is reminding us of that hope. The hope that the people long ago longed for, and the hope that we now can see because we look back. So we're talking about this, this invitation, inviting people to this refreshing life, this refreshing hope. So what kind of an invitation can we extend uh, to others? Here's a summary of what Peter's described. First, commit to Christ and experience a fresh start. This is a summary of really the Christian life. No matter what you face, what I face, you can commit to Christ and experience a fresh start. Now, if you're like me, do you look back on certain parts of your life and there's a little bit of a cringe factor? Anyone? Like, were you just like, you know what? I don't really like that period of my life. I don't like decisions that I made during that time. And maybe I don't even like what was happening to me, through me, by me, things that I've done, things that were done to me. Like, you can just look and these these dark clouds over your past. Most people experience that brokenness like we saw in that video, and, and that's the reality that they know for the rest of their life. They're longing for hope, and they, they don't have it. The good news, which Peter describes, you've been preached the good news. The good news is this. According to his great mercy, you're made into a living hope because of Christ. And no matter what you've done or others have done, they can experience a fresh start. This should be the type of news that actually invigorates us as we relate to people. Because some of the hardest people to relate to are broken people. We know that because as we experience brokenness, we know that just how things unravel and there's so much pain and there, there's so many difficult things. And then as we relate to other people and that brokenness, it's like it's, it's hard to make progress. And it takes time to heal. It takes time for those cracks to get filled in. But the promise is secure in Christ. The healing can come. Maybe not even fully on this side of heaven, but in eternity it will. So no matter what people face, they can experience a fresh start. And so think about the people in your life that you relate to on a regular basis. You know, your coworkers, your kids, your extended family, your neighbors. How many of them are caught in the circle of brokenness and don't actually realize there's a way out? What Peter is saying is the only way out is through Christ. That you can experience being cleansed and cleaned and you can build again what he wants to build in your life. So this is the kind of invitation that we have. If you're a Christ follower, this should compel us. If you've escaped brokenness, we're a lifeline to show other people how to 
escape that same brokenness. And it comes through a fresh start in Christ. It's a gift from God. You can be forgiven. And then number two, no matter what happens in your life, your future is secure. I was thinking this morning how fear sells so much and how fear gets so much attention. Fear uh, is loud. I was just thinking as we were like were looking at the storm, you know, the storm, it was like the end of the world. And in, in some parts, like the storm is bad, it's, it's causing a lot of damage. So we, we pray for, for those people. But there's something that's always pushing fear. 2020, you know, do I need to say more? Right? But, but fear is something that actually can motivate you, but it can't change you. It can motivate you to do things. But it, but it can't change you. And the scriptures say, actually, it's God's love, his perfect love. It casts out fear. And there's fear we all have related to death. There's fear that we have related to pain. There's fears that we have related to things that we can't control. We all have fears. Fear is very powerful. It's an emotion that's overwhelming to us. Most of us struggle with it. But what Peter is saying is actually, no matter what happens in your life, your future is secure if you're a Christ follower. You will meet Christ again when he returns. And you will be restored into eternity. You will be made completely whole. You will experience life as it was meant to be. This life on this earth is a fraction of the life that we'll have in eternity with Christ. Peter's reminding us of that. Our inheritance, our salvation is secure. Again, not because of our own effort, but because of his mercy. Death could not conquer the living hope of Christ, and nothing can conquer the living hope of Christ. Nothing can take that away. So we can commit to him and experience a fresh start. We can know our future is secure. And then number three, when you're in pain, God will, will help you. Now this gets a little bit more specific. Verses six talks about being grieved by various trials. The, the grieved is, is a great word. When we experience hard things, it brings us down. It causes us to be melancholy. We get discouraged. And if you go through a repeated season of this, like a season upon a season upon a season, it's very difficult. But what Peter's saying is even the things that you face in life, beyond just knowing your eternity is secure and knowing you, your sins are forgiven, there's even purpose in the hard things here and now. That gives a great amount of meaning to me. Because if you just want to live your life like without any problems, then you're going to continue to be disappointed because life is full of them. Yesterday morning, I uh, kind of was planning out my day and I was going to go to the gym and I got up early and I went and my tire had a nail and was flat. And you've ever had that? It's just like one of those like, ah. Then I contemplated like, I wonder, you know, if I drive, will the nail go in further and seal it? You know, I had those thoughts and then I thought, no, I'm a grown man, that's stupid. Why would I ever think that? You know, things like that. But it just changed my, my, whole, my whole morning, my, my whole plan. And I thought, like, that's a lot like life. It's just 
You have things like that, like nuisances that come up or just struggles, and you're like, that's not what I thought. That's not what I wanted, but it's life. You have to learn to deal with it. That's just the tire. There's tremendous things we have to face. Things with our health and sickness, things with people we love, decisions that people make that we're just so grieved by, decisions that we make that, that we're grieved by. But what Peter is saying is actually your faith can be tested through those hard things that, that purifies it. Really what it means, it makes it actually a more living faith. Speaking of this living hope, this faith that you have becomes more alive. Because the things that aren't really secure of your faith, they, they get burned off through pain. Like if they're not real, pain has a way of it, like burns it off. And Peter describes that as like this gold, that the impurities are burned off. Pain burns the impurities of our faith. The things that we really don't have down, maybe we say, but we don't believe. Pain is a way of actually, we have to, to really decide things. Like, do we trust God? Will we wait for him? Will we choose endurance? Will we be patient? Do we actually have hope, not based on our circumstances, but hope based on him? and Who we are in him, our identity in him. Is he really the foundation of our identity? Are his values, my values, pain has a way of squeezing us so we find out what's really in us. And it becomes more real, genuine. And so there's purpose in the pain. At the time, we'd rather have a purpose another way. But there's times that the Lord allows things to happen that cause our faith to become more real to us. And most of the time, in my life, and I'm sure you've experienced this in your life, it comes through, through hard things. So there's three phrases I kind of want you to, to hold on to that we've, we've described. And oftentimes, if you read uh, Scripture, what I encourage you to do is is try to come up with like a phrase that signifies what you've read. So for me, these were three phrases on the different scriptures. First, the fresh start, the mercy of God, the living hope. Second, secure future. My eternity is secure based on the salvation I have from Christ. And then real help. I have help in the pain. I have help in the hard times. God is with me and he works with me. He sees me. He sees what's going on. So as you read scripture, pay attention to the themes and then come up like, what's a phrase for what I've just read? What's something that summarizes it? That helps you to kind of synthesize, to summarize, to maybe get it into your own world. And so for me, I've been really clinging to this. You know what? With Christ, through the living hope that I have, because of what he's done, I have a fresh start. Every day I can wake up knowing that. Even if I messed up yesterday, I can have a fresh start today. If I've messed up this morning, I can have a fresh start now. And then not only that, like my future is secure. Look at our world right now, how insecure we are. Look at the headlines. Just what people are talking to related to government and money and schooling and life and relationships, it's like everything is just, look at all the cracks, look at all the problems. If you're a Christ follower, you live with a security that's not found in this world. Why? Because you've escaped brokenness. Without Christ, 
It's broken people trying to come up with solutions, but because they're in brokenness, all the solutions are broken. Broken solutions don't fix broken problems. Only Christ can do that. And we have a secure future in him and then a real help. So I want to encourage you. Um, again, two types of people, like the video said, those who are in brokenness and those who are not. And I just want to walk through uh, a few next steps as I invite the band to come up. This is a way for you to respond in a real way. Like this should merit a response because this is God's word and it calls us forward. And so um, first one is if you've decided to become a Christian, I walk through that, that prayer of surrender. If you've never uh, decided to do that, you can make that decision today. Um, there's a couple ways you could do that. First, Cameron walked you through that connection card. So the easiest way is you write on your connection card, like you see there, new Christian. Look, I've decided today I want to be a new Christian. Write that. What we'll do, we'll see that, and we'll say, yes, party on. Okay, maybe we won't, but we should. Because at the moment that you decide when you're not a Christian and you want to become a Christian, that there's a party in heaven. The angels are rejoicing. Remember it talks about the angels long to look for these things? There's a part of like the salvation story. The angels are just so eager to learn more about. And how do they learn more about it? By what happens on this earth. They're watching. And there's a party in heaven when you decide to become a Christian. So write new Christian on there or on your connection card. There's a place where you say, I've decided. And you let us know what you've decided. Like make a decision. And so I encourage you to do that. Make a decision. Decide to accept the living hope found in Christ and him alone. The second next step is, um, oh, that's two. That's just to emphasize the party that's going to happen, okay? Uh, go, go to the next one there if you can. Uh, this is about baptism. Oh, I think that next step was wrong, but I, I want to be baptized. Uh, if you've never been baptized, that's actually a picture of the living hope found in Christ. You're buried into the water, and then you're pulled out of the water, which represents the new life. And so if you've never been baptized since you've decided to become a Christian, you always believe, you surrender, and then you're baptized. Never in reverse. But this is the person coming out of the water, celebrating the new life found in Christ. So if you've never been baptized by immersion, um, you can be baptized. We're having an overview next month. So take that next step. That's a way of going public with your faith. I have this living hope. And I want to obey Jesus by being baptized. And then the third is I want to share the good news with. So if you're somebody who's escaped brokenness and you are a Christian and you decide to follow him with your whole heart, you have an opportunity to share how to escape the brokenness with other people. Now, you don't want to approach it like, hey, I'm not broken. You are broken. Do you have a moment for me to talk to you? But we all know people that need the hope of Christ. And so I want you to consider, if you're a Christian, you don't have an option whether to share your faith. The option is, what are the opportunities God's bringing? Who will God bring in my path today? That's the option. What's the opportunity that he gives? And you know it based on what he does. And so there may be someone on your mind that you need to share the good news with. And if you need help doing that, like Cameron mentioned, you can go to the next step table. We have resources how to share your faith. But most of the time, it's, I was a broken person. Here's the way I used to live. But Jesus Christ saved me, 
I've experienced his mercy. And now instead of fear, I have faith that God will help me and I've been forgiven. That's my story. Do you have a story like that? And you share that with somebody. How long did that take me? About 12 seconds. Even those words God can use to get someone's attention. So write a name on your connection card. That's what I want you to do today. If you're a Christ follower and there's somebody on your mind that they're in brokenness, they need hope. I want you to write a name. Because with a name, we see a person. With the person, we see the opportunities that God can bring. So if you're not sure, just say, I need to pray for a name. But write that. What I'd like to do is, as we receive these connection cards, whether you write that electronically or on your physical card, I would like to create a list. Like, what if, over the next few weeks, as we go through this series, God gives us an opportunity to share the living hope we have with that person? And what if, at the the end of a few weeks, we could, as a church, celebrate in Jesus' name of people that have escaped brokenness and now have a secure future? That's what church is all about. But it starts with us being willing to share the hope we have in Christ. And so I encourage you, write that name down, drop that in the offering as that comes by. Uh, Last but not least, there's a a conference coming up that's the next step as well. And it's the Relevate Conference. We had our first ever last year. Uh, As a network, we're part of the 17.6 network, which is based on Acts 17.6. Describes the people that follow Christ that turn the world upside down. And that's what we want to do with the gospel of Jesus. We want to turn the world upside down, which is actually right side up, according to the kingdom of God. And we have this conference coming up in November, so you have some time to plan and think through. But it's dealing with relevant topics to help you live the Christian life. And if you're exploring Christianity or you are a Christian, this will really help you. This year's topic is actually on your mind and how to identify the thoughts that you have that lead you in a direction that's not helpful. And the whole purpose of the conference is how to actually put the right filter on your mind so that your thinking is actually leading you in a way that's taking the direction that God wants you to go in. Because man, do our thoughts take us in all sorts of directions. And so I encourage you, this will cost you money. This will cost you time. But what the scriptures say is though it costs you everything, get wisdom. This is a practical way for you to get wisdom. And so this invitation is for all a part of Ridgeview. Uh, We're gonna be joining our network churches. It's gonna be in Huntington Beach. You don't have to fly to get there. Um, but it will cost you some time and it will cost you some money. But I want you to consider this. Really pray about it. Don't discount it. But, but ask God, like, is this something that, that I should be at? And uh, I encourage you to sign up for that. Uh, spots are actually filling up quickly. I think there's over 300 people already signed up. Um, and so I, I encourage you to, to do that today. I'm gonna pray. Uh, in a moment, we're gonna receive our offering. Uh, thank you for, for all the people that give uh, to Ridgeview Church. Uh, you're giving Your tithes and your offerings help us accomplish our mission uh, to invite people to this refreshing life found in Christ. And so there's three ways to give. We go over this every week. This is just a reminder uh, for you, but if you're new as well, uh, there's no pressure for you to give, but if you'd like to, you could see these ways. You can use that giving envelope. You can do it through the Church Center app. Uh, I just appreciate all the people who sacrifice so that we can continue the mission God's given us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day for the reminder that we have of the hope of your son, Jesus. God, we, we realize that we can be focused on so many details of our life but miss out on the hope that we have or forget the opportunity that we have 
to escape brokenness and to help people escape brokenness. What a privilege we have. And so I pray if there's anyone here who's decided uh, to follow you for the first time today to become a Christian, God, we rejoice. We ask that you will, by the power of your Holy Spirit, lead them forward. We pray against the enemy who wants to discourage, who puts doubts, who wants to cause us to take steps backward. God, we just pray for protection over them in the name of Jesus. We pray for the names written of people that we want to share with. God, give us courage in your name to be willing to share the difference that you've made in our life. God, will you go before us? Help us see the opportunities that only you bring. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.